Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I was and still am a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. I forgot to mention last week, happy Pride Month! Happy Pride Month to everyone who celebrates, which should be everybody! Happy Pride, everybody! I'm so excited for my guest this week. My guest is the lovely, multifaceted, multi-voiced talent, Kirill Mitev. Kirill is probably the most generous human being I have ever met on the planet. He is a first act actor. He is a director. He has worked a ton with Ubisoft, voiceover, video games. You will hear his spectrum of voices that he has, even just in a conversational interview with a buddy like me, is phenomenal. He's one of the funniest people I've ever met, the loveliest human being on the planet. I know I say that about a lot of people, but honestly, Kirill, I love this guy. He, even in the, we recorded this maybe what, Kirill, three months ago? What he has done and what is upcoming for him in this industry, I am so excited. We like can't talk about it because it's all probably under like all the secret NDAs and stuff like that. And But he's got so much coming down the pipeline. He's just exploding with his career, as he should, because he is so flippin' talented. Please enjoy the lovely, incredible Kirill Nitev. I had my photos taken by Helen Tansy on Tuesday, and we talked about you. I was like, I wonder if his ears are burning. Helen is just, just so the sweet. best. Oh. She was like, he's the happiest person I've ever met. I'm like, likewise. Oh. Yep. Stop <laughs> it! Stop it! Both of you. <laughs> I love I I love you, Helen. But I love you, Harvey. <laughs> and you took pictures with Harvey, and I took pictures with Harvey. I did. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know what? There are actually pictures that uh, I had to edit extra on Photoshop afterwards because I had hairs from Harvey and it was like a black shirt so you could see each one. And I was not upset for a second. That was the best editing experience of my life. Worth it. Harvey is worth it. Every hair is just a little bit of love from the best dog ever. A lovable rug. <laughs> That's the best way to describe him. <laughs> So, yeah, tell me your story about how you got into acting. You are a multi-hyphenate human being with so many talents. Tell me your story. How far back do I start? I am from Europe. I am born to a Bulgarian father and German mom, like mixed mom. My dad gave me his name, Kirill, because he was like, no, my son's name, like, you know... (laughs) Local name. Um, so that helps a lot in North America where not a single person can say it right away. <laughs> do they say do they say Krill? Sorry to interrupt you. Carol. I am Carol on every single Starbucks cup ever. No. Carol. And then I was like, no, no, it's like Kirill with a K. And they spelled Carol with a K. I'm like, that's not helping at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I grew up um, until I was like seven years old, seven and a half in Bulgaria. At which age I moved to Vienna, Austria, where I spent the rest of my childhood, kind of. I went to high school there. Then, you know, parents' drama, of course. 
and they they split. So I stayed in Austria and Vienna with my mom for a little bit. Then I went back to Bulgaria for like literally a year and a half too. And then my dad moved to, in the meantime, moved to Canada, to Montreal. And I was like, I, what am I doing with my life? I kind of, you know, like don't want to stay in Europe. That was never the plan. I, well, I mean, like I, even if I stayed in Vienna, I would have said like, oh, well, U.S. was the dream. But then I was like, mm-hmm. U.S. to immigrate is like so difficult. Like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, my God, I'm turning 18 in like, I was like three weeks almost. It was literally a month before I turned 18. And uh, at that time, I was like, dad, uh, documents, please. One thing led to another. I, I, I immigrated to Montreal um, right before 18. And then I, I finished my high school here in Canada, and um, that's where the acting school started. But like, should I should I give that spoiler yet? Like, is that that's also a, a story on its own? That's like a crazy story on its own. Yes, please. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I <laughs> I was initially supposed to study. Like, I really I was obsessed with law. I wanted to go mm-hmm. to law school. I well, that was like the dream or marketing, but like two professions that are, you know, kind of like connected to like lying um, <laughs> and making people believe things that are not necessarily true or whatever. So I, I really, I aim for that. Like I literally was aiming for a like post high school, like pre-university and then go into university with law. And I applied to some schools and then I was like, screw this I, I i literally had like this weird epiphany i was like looking up lawyers and people who study law and like i didn't see a single positive thing <laughs> anywhere <laughs> about it in terms of lifestyle and life you know like um i would see uh, like i don't know like the, the the mold was like build a family uh go to school study for 10 years and then you know go to a, into a law firm and basically start from, I don't want to start from scratch, but um, you start as an intern and that's another, like what, 30, I would be 35, 40 by the time I would be able to even like think of a major career move where I'm like money and like house, five houses and like a, my own firm, you know? <laughs> I was like, is that really the future I was meant for? I was asking myself that and I was like 17 and a half. I'm like, what is happening here? Like I got a 17 year old, should not have these deep thoughts that far into the future. Like most people are like, you know, like party. And I was here like pondering with a, <laughs> like a Gandalf pipe. Just like, um, <laughs> uh, so there you go. That, that, that just drove me nuts at that time. And I was like, I don't want to do this. What is the thread that I'm missing? And here's where things got like really weird. I uh, moved to Montreal. I applied to, uh, to acting school in Montreal at the dome program at Dawson college. And I didn't hear back from them. <laughs> like I literally didn't hear back from them. And I was like, okay, so I made a move to a different country on the other side of the world. No plan B acting, which is like not the most profitable you know, <laughs> universe where you can say like, Oh, if it Wait, what? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't hear from the, 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 the one place that I really wanted to go to. And that summer, I bought a tea at David's Tea. And I won tickets to see Oprah. What? Told you it's a crazy story. And I go to see Oprah. And Oprah just literally goes in her show, follow the thread. 
in life. Don't like try to find your true calling. Like da da da. Follow your thread. If you like stray from your thread, you're gonna be unhappy and da da da. And I was like, oh, my thread it didn't work. <laughs> and then I get an email late after reaching out to the school. I'm saying like, hi, I didn't hear back from you. They misspelled my name on the first email. So I didn't get my invitation letter. Were you Carol? No, it was like, I think it was with a C, Cyril, like the French. Oh my God. Yeah. Thank you, Oprah. The thread was back on. Yes. So that's where I started. I just made the, like the switch. My, my, I mean, I don't know. My life was just like, totally different, like thread now, like. 180 degrees. Is that 180? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Why acting? What Was there something that kind of clicked in your brain or was it, yeah, what was it about acting? Absolutely. So what was it is that, that okay, literally, I don't want to even like sugarcoat it. Unhappiness and happiness. I was mm. unhappy with the path that I was on. And then I realized when am I the happiest in life? I was the northern warm wind, sorry, the southern warm wind in a kindergarten play. Everyone clapped at me, made me happy. I was reciting poems in front of the entire school in high school. Everyone clapped. I was happy. I was uh, always like on some kind of performance based, uh, you know, like committee or theater or everyone in school that needed some kind of performance would always call me. I used to sing in singing competitions when I was like very like seven years or six years old. Everyone would clap. I would be happy. And I was like, <laughs> there it is. It's that simple. And it's not like really some grand story. I just followed my happy, just my happy thread. And there it is. Were your parents creative people? Like, did they encourage that growing up? I have not seen a single European, mostly Eastern European person who has approached creativity and art personally as a positive thing for them as a life path and career. Oh, interesting. I've never seen that. It's always like, if, you, if you're if you a star in Hollywood, they're like, oh, nice, very nice. <laughs> very great, amazing. But until then, even until this day, you know, it's always like, okay, do your thing, do it, uh, but plan B. You know, you got to have a plan B, you know. So it's never been... My grandmother was a the most supportive person, uh, to be honest. She was a um, lit literature teacher, and she always said that you you have to have art to be happy. So I wonder if that really kind of uh, tempted me more and more. But nobody else in my family was ever supportive. Like, not a single person was like, oh my god, you're meant for this, ever. I've gotten a lot of comments where it's like, are you sure? Because I used to be very overweight when I was a teenager as well. I, yeah, I used to be like 300 pounds at one point. And everyone was like, oh, you do understand that's not for people like you. I've heard that comment. Ooh, jeez. I know. And that was like post-cancel culture. So that was okay, I guess. But uh, <laughs> I mean, pre, uh, pre-cancel culture. So it was just so weird. And then I've uh, there was one guy who like uh, in, in my high school who almost like dissuaded me from doing anything. He said you just don't have what it takes to be an actor. He was my age from my class and he was an actor. He's still an actor. I'm not going to call name, call out names, but like until this day, uh, I know he does theater somewhere in Europe, but 
Uh, I will never forget those words because those words, I think, triggered so much for me to be like, you just want, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And so like, there's something about that, right? And it's the, because you either, that it gets so ingrained in you. It's incredible what sticks in your head from that time period, like like, time period in our lives. You would either like agree with this person and then never travel down that road. Never touch it out of fear. Yeah. Or you go the complete opposite and you're like, I'll show you. So where does that come from? Like, where does that kind of tenacity come from? Where does it come? Like, again, I think it goes back to my grandmother. I, I, I've always seen my grandmother being such a stubborn, think Maggie Smith in Downton Abbey. That, that just like, oh, knows better than everyone. Try to persuade me to do the, the thing that I don't, I want, like the opposite of what I want to do. And every time I would hear these things later in life, I realized that they were very traumatizing and I should have taken better care of myself uh, afterwards. But the fact that they built up so much, like a, like almost like a seething flame of just need to like prove everyone wrong that said like either you're not good enough or mm, maybe not for you, try this or try that. That definitely came from a, a, a deep stubbornness to not let others win. Mm. I'm very competitive mm-hmm. as well. I think mm-hmm. that's where it comes from. I, I'm pretty sure it's out of some psychological deep rooted thing where I need to impress my parents. Right. Like probably from somewhere there, but it really is like all over my life. The second someone says like, oh, but you haven't done that yet. So like, how do you know you can do that? And like, Oh, but you haven't really studied that. Can you just give me a chance? Just give me a chance. So you go to theater school and then what happens when you, so tell me what theater school was like for you and then how, then, oh, oh there's a face. <laughs> okay, go on. Theater school. I just imagine like the shark attack music. Da, da, da. That's how, te- that's, that's exactly how it started. It started with a lot of people, young people who had already some kind of exposure to theater. Mm. Like, not professional, but, like, mom made me um, read Shakespeare. Uh, My grandmother made me go to play in Canada. I, don't forget, this was, like, I learned English in Europe, Mm -hmm. right? I, at the time, I spoke German and Bulgarian, and I had to learn French, but I had to mostly communicate in English. So what happened was school was such a tough, start i mean i was chaotic i was like guarded shielded i i mean i'm gonna say it i hated everyone around me i was like i was like uh, uh, this person is saying like oh you haven't read 12th night (laughs) this person was like um i don't know my dad is in uh i don't know makeup in big movies so i've been on set like fifty thousand times this month and i'm like okay i haven't like and there was this kind of disconnect where I never felt welcome Mm. for a second like never the teachers were always telling me I'm too chaotic and too loud and too like this and that I'm like what is this this is theater school (laughs) what do you want from me Uh, but apparently I wasn't the loud the the right kind of loud Uh, and um, then it kind of settled I settled in I met a few teachers in my life that were very eye-opening about who I was and how I had really established this, like, guarded eggshell that was fragile, yet, like, isolating. Yeah. And they, like, I will never forget this. There was one teacher that invited me uh, over for just, like, a, a meditation session. She was like, you know what? Come over. We will practice your audition. 
I had an audition that I was very worried about. And she was an actress in Montreal. And she, she, we just sat down and she was like, okay, how do you feel? And I was like, <laughs> good. And she was like, why did you laugh? And she just started chipping away. You don't, why are you laughing? Why are you happy right now? Are you happy? Are you truly happy? And she just kept on, you know, like that. So I continued after the first semester of acting school with a very different out, like outlook on school, theater school, future, career, and everything. And I noticed a big difference between myself and everyone else in school. Uh, we had just this almost like a divide that I felt different. I don't want to say better or worse. I just felt completely different mm. than everyone else. I made some great friends. I made some great enemies. I love that. But the road to uh, the top is a very lonely one, as they say. And it just was a very chaotic time in school. I never truly had fun in the first and second, first half of second year. And then I noticed that things were starting to work for me because of how I am as a person rather than trying to suck up to people. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. And I wouldn't necessarily get the best role in the play at school for the finals. or I wouldn't necessarily get the best experiences uh, with uh, the, the, the assignments. You know, I was just so scared of these things and they never felt enjoyable to me. And then towards the third year, there was one teacher that took over for professional development uh, for the first time we had this class. And that class really changed my life. I think that that class just tells you how the industry is. She said, nothing that happens in school is like what it's like out there. Here you will get a role like you will never get out there. There you will get roles that you will never get in school. You know, it's just you will be assigned to different things in real life. Your acting will have to be better in real life. This is, it's, it's a totally different world. And uh, then I took a marketing class in my last year uh, of school where I was just business class, completely different. I was like, I know what? I need to know the business side yeah. of that. All of that just mixed together. I got this slight weird boost of mental confidence, but not like showing it to the world. I just felt safer because I was more experienced. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I, I felt confident because of the work I put in rather than, oh, I'm better than everybody. Mm. And that triggered some people. I could tell that some people were unhappy with my, you know, <laughs> internal happiness uh, and very zen vibes. Towards graduation, really, that's where things just picked up for me. We had a workshop with Ubisoft uh, where they gave us pr pretty much the entire, the, the, the students picked for it uh, would get to go to the Ubisoft studios, do everything, mocap, uh, acting, everything, just voiceover training with the best of the best in Canada. Like, God. I will never forget being in the studio with Carlo Mastroni and he, him telling me, like, that was fake. And I was like, <laughs> in the best way possible. Like, he is just Italian and very honest. Anyway, and um, that's where things just made me happier. I, I picked up that path where that just... I met Chris who was at the time the casting director for Ubisoft. She was the, is a, a friend of mine until this day. I just met people that made me happy and abandoned school and left it in the past and just tried to build my own self up because I was alone in a foreign country. Yeah. 
And I just realized I've spoken for like 30 minutes. No, it's fascinating. Thank you. It's just, that's where things end for me in terms of school. Uh, like it's just right out of school, Ubisoft, they saw me and, and then Chris was like, oh, I know an agent that you should approach. Of course, uh, Chris messaged the agent. I, I immediately got the agent. It was just such a blessed, lucky, and I don't like saying lucky. No, sorry. Oprah says you build your own luck. Your actions basically cause you to be in the right place at the right yeah. time. And if you seize the moment, you are considered, considering yourself lucky. But I don't, yeah, I don't like saying luck because I really, I work for this. Yeah. You worked your butt off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's interesting what you were saying about when your like Zen like moments started happening in acting school. My original thought was, oh, it it's because you've built a solid foundation. Like, you, like you've built something up that you can kind of sit on if you need to and say, it's okay to bounce forward from this because I have a comfortable place to sit that I know is good. And I can see how that would make people who are not as confident in who they are as human beings a little jealous and kind of pissy and yeah. Unhappy. I, I, see, I never used, I, I, a lot of people said like, oh, they're just jealous. I don't think, I mean, sure, maybe it's jealousy, but I don't even think it was that. I think that we live in a time that people are convinced that everyone is the same way they are in their personal life and different on social media. And that when they see that social media happiness, they immediately say, oh, they're unhappy in real life. That's just a social media thing. But I was genuinely approaching a sense of personal happiness that was making people around me uncomfortable and unhappy that mm. I was expressing myself the way I want. Yeah. So I don't even know if it was jealousy. I think it was discomfort. And then they would make me feel like, oh, you're too much. And I'm like, oh, if I hear I'm, I'm, I'm too much one more time in my life. I'm like, well, and like, too much. they're all cranky and, you know, going through the hell that I've heard theater school is, you have no control over how they're going to feel. So feeling that kind of happiness and zen, that's only going to show through very obviously in your work and in your confidence to network with people which in this industry is key. And people don't know how to do that. True, true, true. A lot of people think they do, and they do it really badly. And I have seen uh, embarrassing situations in person where I would, I would just feel bad for the people trying too hard almost, where they go to events and it's like, oh, I have seen everything you've done. And it's weird. It's really strange. I have not seen ever in my life anyone who is successful, say that they approach someone mm. like that and got mm. a role out of it. It's usually the people who go like, oh yeah, I was at a party and they were there and they were like, you want to do it? And I was like, sure. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's always the people who don't like almost like crave it and like grasp for it yeah. to get it. It's those people, the ones that grasp and like are trying to hold on it. And like, it's like love, right? If you love something, let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't. You can't audition and be like, oh, this, I need this. Uh. Yeah. I love it. Sure. I love this. Let it happen if it were, if it's meant to happen. I will work hard for it. And that's it. The desperation comes through in every way, right? Yeah. It's sure. so visible to casting as well. Mm. And I've heard that quite a few times now, actually. Yeah. Mm. You kind of get this first agent and Ubisoft is a big part of your world. And that has obviously, correct me if I'm wrong, like led into what you're doing now. You know, a lot of work with video games, but you're still doing a lot of acting. 
Interesting. Yeah. Ubisoft didn't lead into it. Oh, cool. Ubisoft was a confidence, a confidence boost in a way that I was like, wow, I played this games like these games when I was younger. I love Assassin's Creed. I like Assassin's Creed one. I think I played that game like five times mm-hmm. over. The fact that I grew up in a poor country, like truly poor country, mm-hmm. like we, we were not well off. And that now I was in the studio in Montreal made me feel as if some kind of blessing had happened to me that I didn't even ask for that just led to me being happy. That's it. And then I truly, I was so appreciative of, of everything. My, my agent at the time was the kindest, sweetest person that I know that I'm still friends with. And then it stopped after two years when I think I was going through a shift in my life of being an adult, no longer a teenager. And I needed, I had about two years of um, dry, yes, I was getting gigs, but not what I was hoping to get, not what I was aiming for. Mm -hmm. And I could sense that kind of identity crisis of like, who am I? Like, what do I want to do? Who do I want to be? Like, and that was very obvious in my auditions, in my in my life, personal life, uh, professional life. So it was weird. It was tough. I started working on personal development because I realized there's no way I can continue this way and try to be an actor who cannot. I don't know who I am. How can I build a character? Right. Or give a grounded to be grounded. You need to know and be comfortable your, with yourself. Yeah. Like you, you, you have to. There's no way you can be grounded if you're not. And I see so many people push through it rather than accept it Mm. and live through it. I told myself that the personal work needs to happen first. So I did the personal work and it's an ongoing process for sure. And then COVID hit. How do you do a personal growth moment? You know, an Oprah aha moment when the world cannot have an aha moment, right? Like the the TikToks from home and Zoom meetings were the aha moments. Mm-hmm. Really? That's mm-hmm. that's it. So Ubisoft stayed in the past. I tried reaching out to so many of my connections and they were not there, right? Because there's no one there. And I worked on a new voice demo and I could tell it wasn't good. And I worked on personal care. How can you work on personal care when the world is not healthy you know it's the world is sick how can you be like my agent closed her agency because she moved to the states and it was just not happening anymore in canada in canada like COVID really hit hard and here i am with her last gig that i booked with her which was on moonfall one of the most amazing moments of my life where i I, I had a smaller a, a tiny part to be honest and i met some incredible actors on that set and here i am with the world closed down and me in the best spot possible, yet in the worst spot possible. With without an agent, like closing the agency, but on a the most expensive set uh, in on a, of an independent movie in history. Yet it was just like chaotic. And then January comes, and uh, what happens uh, after a beautiful high? The low. So three months without an agent, looking for an agent in the middle of uh, the, the lockdowns. Who says yes to an actor? If I were an agent, I knew very well who would say. And here's where things got even worse for me. Everyone got a yes. Everyone I knew. 
who was looking for an agent got a yes and I didn't. And I was seeing these people getting a yes. Oh my God, I signed with top agency, top agency, top agency. And I'm like, all of these agents said no to me like three days ago, you know, I waited. I stopped. I said, this is not the right time. This is not the moment. The light is not shining yet bright enough. I cannot be happy uh, yet. Like I cannot be happy if these are the things that are happening and I cannot give my energy, which is why I went into all of this uh, to others. So why would I even need an agent? If an agent got me an audition, I wouldn't do it well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Again, around my uh, birthday in May, I, um, I was like, you know what? I've heard about this agency and I didn't reach out to them because I was like, they're not going to take me there. They, they seem like a big agency. I'm not going to talk. I don't know, whatever. And they're posting all the time about like this actor booked this gig, this actor booked that gig. And I'm like, okay, I have none of these. And I reach out and I get a no in the first paragraph, which is like, sorry, I'm currently not looking. Blah, 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 blah. And then the second paragraph was like the sunlight in the darkness. But my wonderful daughter, uh, Maya, is looking to uh, expand her roster right now and start off like a nice roster with clients. And I was like, first person I went for advice to was my agent um, from before, my previous agent, Amanda. And I was like, Amanda, what do I do? Like, please tell me, is this like a bad decision to be like with the startup? And she goes, this is probably the golden ticket for you. Think about this. Young, ambitious, and looking to start her career. And I was like, oh my effing God. My negative situation was making me think negatively, right? Yeah. And the outside person that has been supporting me for so long suddenly says like, no, this is it. Go for it. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. One of the best things I've done for myself in my life, truly. you into the directing part that you do how did that happen because that's curious i don't know okay <laughs> ask every i have I've, I've noticed this ask every producer and director ever ever how they got into it i feel like it always goes like oh i got lucky oh i was in the right uh, like place at the right time and then like i got lucky so like yeah one thing led to another first production second production you know ha say and yeah i don't know i still do it and i can't believe that it's just picking up even more and i'm like i have no idea i i thank you thank you thank you thank you universe everything do you notice so most people who are what i call the second act actors like myself right who had a have and still have a career and are now pursuing acting we didn't have theater school do you notice any difference between actors like yourself who've gone through theater school and theater training and actors who have not? And it's not like like one is bad and one is good, but like, have you noticed anything from an acting standpoint, but also from a directing standpoint? Yes, is the short answer. I bet. <laughs> but, but I don't think it has much to do with the career or theater school. I think it has a lot to do with the opportunity for you to escape the harshness of any other non-art industry, uh, specifically acting, modeling, music, uh, painting, all of these like take a different kind of uh, setup for you to be in, right? For acting, you have to be vulnerable. And 
if you, and and genuinely you have to come from a, a, an emotional place, which I have noticed a lot of jobs, whether it's Starbucks, lawyer, medical uh, staff. I, I'm thinking even 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 in entertainment, if you're like let's say in uh, a news anchor, all of these jobs require a character to be built beforehand, an exterior to show the public and live your everyday life. Right. Yes. That is something I've noticed throughout the years that I, I've been doing this, and I'm like very certain that you don't have to go to acting school to achieve that kind of breaking of that character. But if if you have spent ten years, five years, five months being oh my god a, a nurse, let's say in the mm-hmm. five, the last two years, let's say you just came out of school and you've been a nurse for the past two years. That will build walls that are, I mean, so difficult to mm-hmm. let go of so that you can be Jenny in that one TV series, you know, like whatever, or uh, a, a mother with a child, whatever, you know, all of yeah. these things. Yeah, I think that's the difference. It's not acting school or the, the, the second, like the second act, right? It's more about how did you deal with it? How do how are you dealing with your life right now, and are you kind to yourself? That's another thing that I was taught over quite a bit of time, and that I had a teacher here in Toronto actually who taught me that. Do you talk to yourself the same way you would talk to someone you love? And that's something second act jobs do not let you do much. It's interesting because I've talked to other people who've gone through theater school, but also other people like me who like I went to medical school and. The idea of emotional restraint being a huge thing, like exactly what you were talking about, the walls that you build up, because in medicine, it's celebrated for you to not show emotion. And I'm taught, you're taught in medical school to not show emotion. Horrific things are happening to your patients in front of you. You can't show emotion, right? You're not allowed to basically because it's not good for your patients. So you build up that wall where in acting, it's celebrated, right? If you feel sad and your character is meant to feel sad, you will look sad. But as a doctor, if I'm sad and my patient is sad, I'm going to be like, sad. And so <laughs> it's been so difficult and kind of exciting to right. learn how to do that. To be like, here is sad. Feel sad. Look sad. And it's been acting teachers who've said to me, nothing is coming through on your face. I'm like, but I'm feeling it like emotional i'm feeling upset about this scene you know and they're like, yeah yeah but i can't see it on your face but it's because yeah. of that that restraint that those walls that you've built up from the career Absolutely. right the character you've built and on top of that social social stuff a female mm-hmm. in in medicine yeah i think yeah. would have to even build more walls oh god yeah yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that on top of all of that. So just think about that. I, 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 ugh, yeah, I can't even imagine. So yeah, there you go. That's such a great point. Yeah. Is there anything fr- that has really surprised you about the entertainment industry since either leaving theater school or even just entering theater school or anything that's just really been a bit of a shock surprise for you? Recently, yes. Something that I would say is very controversial to say, I would say. Mm-hmm. There are incredibly talented, encouraging, positive, supportive people who do the work, who build others around them. And there are 
those who do not think the work is necessary, those who do not put in the effort, those who are selfish and unprofessional and think that they can get away with it. Wow. And I have been very surprised and slightly, maybe more than slightly disappointed to see how careless people in the arts can be and how little they they think of the arts. Hmm. Uh, almost to a level of disrespect that, oh, I can, like, just acting, chill. Or like, oh, you wake up, you do it, like, uh, whatever, any of you. Okay, let's prepare the audition. Reads it three, four times, maybe. Doesn't read the breakdown more than once or twice. That's just submitted. Um, doesn't, like, holds the phone like that. You know, ah, whatever. That has left such a sour feeling in my mouth because I know how hard I have worked and I know how hard other people have worked mm -hmm. to get somewhere, anywhere, truly, to, to escape the slums, so to speak, of the industry and to mm -hmm. get to anywhere, not somewhere, anywhere in this industry and to mm -hmm. see that they are being drowned out oftentimes by mass submission agencies. And from the hundred, not a single one is, or maybe one or two are the, the ones that are pros or like care about it or work hard on it. The rest is visibly um, not, not someone who maybe they care about the industry, but they're not showing it in their work. Mm. I don't, that's why I, I know, I don't say it like to offend someone or say like, oh, you didn't do the work or you didn't, uh, you don't care. Maybe they care, but if you care enough in 2022, all it takes is one week of your year to schedule 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to an hour every day, go through YouTube and look, how do I set up an audition? How do I record properly with my phone? How do I read a breakdown? What are the important things about no acting school, no experience, nothing, just put in any effort to educate yourself about the, the thing you're doing. But a lot of people think that you can become a waiter and balance a tray on your hand right away. And mm -hmm. in acting, I, I see a lot of balancing and then the glasses break. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I see. Yeah. And it's just, it, it makes me a little sad sometimes. I've, yeah. I've noticed it lately. That can be really discouraging, obviously, as an actor. When stuff like that happens, like that can put you down the spiral again, right? So what do you do as someone who... I believe Helen Tanzi believes the world believes is <laughs> such a happy, optimistic guy. How do you get back to that happy, optimistic Zen person that was in theater school when that happens? I think of all the things that could have been that are bad that I have gone through mm. and the, just how bad things could have ended up for me. Mm -hmm. And I immediately snap myself into like that, but things could be worse mentality. And it, I don't, it's not necessarily positive thinking. It's just uh, a moment of like, oh, I didn't get the, 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 I don't know, I didn't get this audition or like I was told no by more than 40 agents a year ago. You know what? The fact that I am here right now being told no by these agents and not anywhere in Europe, in, in Eastern Europe or working at Starbucks or being a, a bus boy for a restaurant or or um, failing school, or uh, doing drugs, drinking, uh, wasting my life away on things that would make me happy or spiral down further. 
makes me immediately go into that. It's just not the time. It wasn't meant to be right now, whatever. But I, it, I am sad. I accept the sadness on on the spot. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not like blindly going for like, ah, ha, 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 so whatever. Ha, ha, ha. No, I tell myself, you know what? The Ukraine right now is getting destroyed. Mm. Imagine I was in Austria or Bulgaria right now. Mm. I would mm. be in countries directly close to that. Yeah. And I left that so that I can build a future. Why would I give up on building a future over a single no? Knowing that there could be so much worse was worth it. Do you have any mood change? Do you have any funny, fun, crazy onset stories in the booth stories i mean duh okay like set stories i mean (laughs) i've met incredible people on set that's the Mm -hmm. uh, number one thing i have met people that i've known whatever whatever my favorite stories are usually in the booth Mm. my favorite stories come when no one's watching those are my favorite stories when there's a leather chair in the studio and we're live with a client and uh, everyone's ready and we're listening with like a $30,000 microphone that's like super high tech and expensive and whatever and picks up everything. And the leather chair just goes <laughs> and the entire world just stops like across the like, like the client on the other side, me on this side, everyone just goes like and the actor is always awkward and <laughs> just... Those are my favorite stories. I will never not be a child at heart when it comes to a fart sound in a booth or anything along those lines. I just, I will never stop. What would you say your parents, what do they think you do for a living? There's zero or Hollywood Oscar winning star. Right now, I'm zero. Dad, I'm directing a video game. I guess, did you give up on the film stuff? I'm like, no, 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 this is like a great opportunity. I think you gave up. They know exactly what I do. It's just every Eastern European and maybe Middle Eastern person would identify with this where it's enough, but not enough. (laughs) Call me when you've won the Oscar. (laughs) Why are you not getting the big stuff? You know, why are you not a star yet? If you're doing this for three years, why are you not with, you know, Meryl Streep there? You know, why are you not best friends? <laughs> I love it. That's great. Is there anything you're looking f- you're looking forward to this year? Anything you're looking forward to in 2022? I am looking forward to making bigger steps with confidence more than ever before in my life this year, which are terrifying. So I, I look forward to the steps, but I do not look forward to the incredible fear and pressure that I feel. Oh my goodness, it's awful. I want to start thinking about moving to the States, uh, hopefully California, San Diego, we'll see. <laughs> LA, San Diego, we'll see where. I want to open my own studio for recording. That is my biggest dream right now. This year only, we have made more than 10 people union and giving them their credits that were either non-union or apprentices, and they got a yes, and they got to be in a video game. The fact that I can do that for people, and I know how hard it was for me to do all of that, and not just the hard part, it's more like the mental difficulty behind 
will I get it? How hard it is, you know, and all that. And then you're like, oh no, but I, uh, you know, yeah. the fact that these people are being given those opportunities that I was so terrified of by me and the people that I work with right now is just something that I want to keep doing forever and ever and expand it and just do more and more and more. Any last words of wisdom, words of advice? Talk to yourself the same you would talk to someone you love. If you have an audition and you don't do well, we often tell each other, my God, you're so stupid, Carol. Ah, oh, I fucking oh, hate you. Like, uh. Would you talk to your mother like that? Would you talk to your lover like that? Would you talk to your best friend, your sister like that? 99.9% of the time, the answer is no. I would be kind. I would say, honestly, it, the next thing will come along. If you find yourself talking to yourself that way, then do some work and put in the effort to snap out of it and think of what you would t tell these people that you care about uh, in this situation if they were in your shoes and just verbalize that to yourself. Do not just think it. Say like, next time. Honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Like, just go have some soup. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Carol, for being my guest this week. Thank you, Carol, for being my guest this week. I had to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know we joked in our episode about him being called Carol at Starbucks, but I sent him a hilarious, oh, I thought it was hilarious, uh, message on Instagram saying, please phonetically spell out your name for me so I don't mess up the pronunciation or send me a voice memo where you pronounce your name perfectly for me. And of course, he did send me a voice memo. And it's the loveliest, funniest voice memo that I will keep and treasure forever. Anyways, I hope you'll join us again next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!